Greetings. Welcome to this segment on laughter. Laughter is so important. Even Charlie Chaplin has said, a day without laughter is a day wasted. A day without laughter is a day wasted. Charlie Chaplin, can you put your mind around that? Can you dissect it for me a little more? One day not having any laughter at all is a day wasted. So what do I have to do? I have to... Let's pray. That's what we what I have to do. Father God, Lord, I want to be happy just with you today. Help me to laugh. Help me to enjoy. Help us, Lord. Help all of us, not just myself. Help the listeners, the readers, the seekers, the doers and the shakers, the ones who are asking for more in this period of time we have on this earth, Lord. Help us today to be anointed, filled with your laughter, your wisdom, your talents, your joys, excitedly, Lord, enthusiastically. More will be revealed, interesting for laughter. And thank you for these quotes that people have proven to have love and wisdom to give joy to the people for they love. Thank you for the people that are in our lives, Lord, that work for laughter. Thank you for pointing them out, like Charlie Chaplin, who is now gone. And I think he had a, amen. I think Charlie Chaplin had a kid at 62 or 82. How's that for some laughter? <laughs> well, maybe that's not laughter. I don't know. Well, thank God, man. I wish I was him. I'll try it. Wouldn't you? I'm not going to have the baby. Laughter works. All right, let's go ahead and keep going here. After Charlie Chaplin's quote says, a day without laughter is a day wasted, is our topic. I believe that you can remember what was the funniest day of your life that ever happened to you? You know, asking those kind of questions, the uh, subconscious mind will will go in there and look for stuff to bring up. Amen. Meanwhile, let's go ahead and uh, keep reading Charlie Chaplin's quotes on laughter. A tramp, a gentleman, a poet, a dreamer, a lonely fellow, always hopeful of romance and adventure. Amen. We are always hopeful of romance and adventure. A tramp, a gentleman, a poet, a dreamer, a lonely fella. Amen. Moving right along, Charlie Chaplin says, A man's true character comes out when he's drunk. That's the truth. I haven't heard of that one. Charlie Chaplin, a man's true character comes out when he is drunk. Huh. Nothing is permanent in this wicked world, not even our troubles. Hee-hee, Charlie Chaplin. If nothing is permanent in this world, wicked world, and not even our troubles, so I'm going to start thanking God for my troubles ahead of time to get them over with. You know, it's usually, like someone else said, like Will Rogers said, Laughter is when it happens to someone else and not you. (laughs) 
So the other way is laughter is I can laugh at my hiccups. I can laugh at my nonsense. At my, uh, actually is try, try again. Really, problems are try, try, try again. How to be good at life. How to, how to have godly skills and be able to run over the uh, devil and the situations he throws at us through laughter. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. Life could be wonderful if people would have, will leave you alone. <laughs> Isn't that something? People are always getting out of trouble in trouble or going into trouble, but not us, because we have the, found the key to life. We laugh at our troubles, and we freeze them before they come at us. Charlie Chaplin, life is a tragedy when seen in close up, but a comedy in long shot. Amen. So might as well start thanking God in the long shot. To truly laugh, you must be able to take your pain and play with it, Charlie Chaplin. Aren't we playing with it when we say, I thank you, God, for it? Aren't we getting humor out of it? Aren't we deriving and rising up in God's wisdom to look at our situation? In the human standpoint, the person will say, well, this good will come out of it. Well, uh you know, uh, this 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 positive. They'll think of positive things for the for the problem. That well, at least I didn't get into a bigger accident. But what I, what God is saying is a lot bigger than that. It's much bigger than that. It's 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 just letting it go for what it is and wait for God's viewpoint. We don't wait for viewpoint when we put a spin on a problem. You know. When we put a, put a spin on a problem is we, we stay in a loop. We stay looping in our own thinking. But when we say, I thank you, God, for this fender bender, something good is going to come out of it and leave it at that. Don't try to figure out God's job, what good is going to come out of it. Don't try to think that you're going to meet someone, you're going to get a job, something good is going to happen, you're going to get rescued somehow and something in the mail just thank god for it point blank and wait for god it may take months so you might as well stop looping it the problem is we're a bunch of loopers in our thinking we we think the way a situation should be or the way god should be so therefore we stay in that situation when god is saying with god all things are possible how are we going to put that equation in our thinking when a situation happens? With God, all things are hospital. I got to go. I love you. God bless you. More to come. I'm excited about our laughter comedy series that we got going. One more. Charlie Chaplin. Man as an individual is a genius, but men in the mass from the headless monster, a great brutish idiot that goes where prodded. Ain't that the truth? Charlie Chaplin. Man as an individual is a genius, but man in the mass from the headless monster, a great brutish idiot that goes where prodded. Wow. Talk about wisdom. He was a lot more wiser than we can imagine. I love you. God bless you. Laugh a lot, not a little. Laugh a lot. 
Talk to you later. Greetings. Let's go ahead and pray today for a humorous section. We're going to do something for the funny bone. Let's go ahead and open it with the uh, Benjamin Franklin prayer, please. And repeat after me. Bountiful Father, merciful guide, powerful goodness. Dictate to me my truest humor and strengthen my resolutions to perform what the Spirit dictates. Accept my kind services to your other children as the only way to pay back for your continued favors to me. Amen. You know, I can uh, orchestrate that and put it for asking God to bring us more humor. Let me try that. Say, Bountiful Father, merciful guide, Humorous, loving friend. Guide me in your joy. Establish me in your humor that I may help others with your laughter and your happiness all the day long. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's see if we uh, we struck a chord with God and let's see what the humor entails for today. This is... Uh, it's very courageous of me to, to try to tackle down such a incredible uh, topic, humor, because I usually end up humble, I usually end up humiliated, and then the product of that is humbleness. Here we go. San Laurel from Lauren Hardy. It says, I had a dream that I was awake and I woke up to find myself asleep. I thought that was funny. Not, not you? Okay, let me give you another one. Stan Laurel says, Another fine mess you got me into. Okay, and then moving right along, Stan Laurel says, You can lead a horse to water, but a pencil must be led. <laughs> I thought that was chuckling. Humor is the truth. Wit is an exaggeration of the truth. Stan Laurel. Humor is the truth. Wit is an exaggeration of the truth. If any of you cry at my funeral, I'll never speak to you again. Stan Laurel. If you had a face like me, you'll punch me right in the nose. And I'm just the fella to do it. A friend once asked me what comedy was. That floored me. What is comedy? I don't know. Does anybody? Can you define it? All I know is that I learned how to get laughs. And that is all I know about it. You have to learn what people will laugh at. Then proceed accordingly. Stan Laurel. I don't deserve to be mentioned in the same <laughs> sentence with Charles Chaplin. Stan Laurel. Excuse me. Section on humor. Reading a chapter, chapter 19 from Emma Bombeck. And the idea is, call it a wild theory of mine, 
but I think exhibitionists are born that way. He's the baby in his crib who cries like he has just swallowed a razor blade. And when you pick him up, he stops. He's the child who, in every home movie, sails across the screen in front of everyone like a blurred frisbee out of control. At the dinner table, he will dangle a French fry from his nostril and bark like a seal. He wets in the waiting pool, clearing it out in 15 seconds. He wears his clothes inside out to school and lets his underwear hang out of his tanny shorts for show and tell. He takes your checkbook to class. When he grows up, he frequently frequents karaoke bars and sings Strangers in the Night off-key. The majority of Homo sapiens live quiet lives in the bleacher seats. They are content to sit back and watch the attention seekers. This leaves a selected group who carry cards in their billfolds reading, in case of accident, call a press conference. So how does one go about getting attention? In the animal kingdom, a male millipede will bang his head on the ground at the rate of five times a second that gets a crowd. Or if you want to make a human statement, you could be like the artist who, along with 200 volunteers, created a two-mile-long sand sculpture of 21,000-size, 34C breasts on a beach in California. His next project is to string 10,000 bras across a mile-wide stretch of the Grand Canyon. But humans have attention-getters that animals in the wild don't have. Nudity. Madonna bared herself from the waist up at an age benefit. The only thing we haven't seen of Madonna's is her x-rays. Howard Stern, the New York talkmeister, appeared nude on the cover of his book, Private Parts. He outsold authors with their clothes on 10 to 1. Roseanne has been known to moon a group of bystanders, sing the national anthem off key with her hands in her crouch, and announce to the rest press she is going to have a, a manage a throis with her former husband and a secretary. And that was just one and that was just one Sunday morning. They are professional exhibitionists, and most of them things should not be done in your own home. But there's a big chunk of the population who will fulfill Andy Warhol's prediction that everyone will have celebratum for 15 minutes. Hitting the list of the lottery winners, here's a couple sitting around the house doing nothing when they hear their numbers announced on TV. <clears throat> Within minutes, their front yard is overflowing with photographers and cameramen and blood-sucking relatives from as far away as Hawaii. Helicopters circle just before hyperventilation. They say into the camera, Oh my God, I ask if all the money will change your life. And they say, Absolutely not. I will never forget the story of the lottery winner from Ohio who won $50 million. When asked what he was going to do with all that money, he was quoted as saying, I always wanted one of them eight-slice toasters. <laughs> Is that the American dream or what? Of all the luxuries <clears throat> that torment people but elude them, a toaster doesn't seem to be one of them. But what do I know? Maybe there there are dreamers who lie in hammock, hammock 
stared at the sky and planned for the day when they can make toast for an entire marine base. The irony is that most lottery winners lust after some small thing that probably have been within their grasp all along. <clears throat> so they wish for something they've been putting off. A new sofa for mama, a trip to the Smokies with the kids, <clears throat> or, as the man from Ohio added, fill in the dance in my pinto. Another recipient New York State's lottery retired early to a modest house to order, take out food, and save for when we're poor again. <laughs> Ridiculous, you say? How long have you had a cookie sheet that looks like a bad patch of road? You could probably pick one up for two ninety five, but instead you open the window to get rid of the smoke each time you use it. I fantasized about winning the lottery and being a celebrity on all the newscasts. I always wanted an extra set of door keys. My husband's dream is a set of salt and pepper shakers for the table so he won't have to walk to the store, to the stove every meal. Hey, as long as you're dreaming, why not reach for the stars? The instant celebrities I look to watch is the one on the 6 o'clock news. Who has lived next door to a serial axe murderer for six years and didn't know it? The camera catches him and he's standing on the curb watching his neighbor being taken away. A TV reporter sticks a microphone in his face and says, This is Elwood Merck who lives next door to the suspect. Do you notice anything unusual about him? Mr. Merck, realizing he's on camera, smiles and says, Gosh, no. He seemed like a real nice fellow. Walks his dog every night, very quiet. He even bought a box of cookies for my daughter. She's a Girl Scout. I believe they were chocolate mint. Weren't they, Evie? His wife nods. Television does have a way of bringing out emotions people have hidden for years. Classic examples of the new shot the great and humiliated talk shows that have surfaced for the young crowd. The perks are that that they are brought to New York, delivered to a free hotel room by a limousine made up by a professional makeup artist and then released into an arena of strangers who will hear your story of divorce, infidelity, kinkiness, or bad relationships. And here's the entertainment part. You must sit there while the audience calls you a slut, tramp, or worse, and reduces you to tears and beyond therapy. <laughs> it's a terrific price to pay for 15 minutes on TV and a little blush and eyeliner. Was it only a few years ago that Bob Eubanks asked a couple on the newlywed game which way they were facing when they made whoopee? Was it the Arctic Circle, South America, or Ohio? The ideas gasped. Was there ever a time when we had a game show call? I got a secret. There are no secrets anymore. All you have to do to get your 15 minutes of celebritum is use your imagination. A guy on the Devil Letterman show flexed his pectoral muscles to dwelling banjos for two minutes. The audience seemed to like that act. He said, but that any time you disrobe in public, it gets applause.
It's hard to believe that there's still a segment of the population that can resist the notoriety. They simply want to be left alone. The animal kingdom is sympathetic about it. When someone approaches the hog-nosed snake, he doesn't want a confrontation. He simply turns his back and lies with his mouth open and his tongue simply out. If he is touched, he remains perfectly rigid and appears to be dead. The predator usually goes away. This is not unlike husbands who do not want to be bothered during a Super Bowl game. The sea cucumber gets even a little more drastic. He prefers to spend his life where he was born, and when anyone or anything approaches him, sends out a message by ejecting all his innards before he collapses. Think of the ratings you could get on that. Emma Bombay. On her book, All I Knew About Animal Behavior, I Learned in Low Men's Dressing Room. Lee Men's Dressing Room. 